0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I am broadcasting from the Vivid Seeds studios. Make sure you check out promo code Overtime in the Vivid Seeds mobile app. Save up to $100 in all purchase purchases first time, customers only. With a little theater on you. little little fiddler on the roof. You don't even know, man. I got talents on top of talents. Speaking of talent, how about your boy Aaron Rogers? What was that? I tell you what, man, there's there's so much to say. I probably should have organized this um, prior to now. But it's so good to see Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's not like this came out of nowhere necessarily. He's been getting really good. I feel like it's almost been building to this point. I mean, it, it's just Aaron Rodgers has stood out, I would say, at least the last three weeks. PFF kind of disagrees, but whatever. I, I just, last week they were all about it, but. Point is, I've been very happy with what I've been seeing. Not necessarily perfect, although yesterday pretty much was. But just it, first of all, the the question of what in the world is wrong with Aaron Rodgers that's been gone pretty much since week one. Week one, I was still kind of in that oh no, like something might actually be wrong mode. But every week it seems like it's been getting better and better. To the point where not only is that accuracy back, which has been ridiculous the last few weeks as in, like, pinpoint right over the shoulder, deep pass, all that stuff. But you're seeing rhythm. You're seeing great decisions. You're seeing, you know, a, a, a good mix between holding the ball and waiting for the big play like we saw from MVS. You heard the announcers say, hey, Geronimo was open, but he knew the route. He understood based on the protection that if I can hold the ball a little bit longer, there's a big play coming, and he hit it. There's a good mix between that and hey, let me just get this ball out real quick and keep this rhythm going, keep this momentum going, it is just the perfect marriage of everything. And I think it's great for just, man, where do I take this? So many directions. It's great for Aaron Rodgers because although we talk about Aaron Rodgers still and even a lot of the national media people still talk about Aaron Rodgers as though yesterday's performance is just a standard day for Aaron Rodgers, we haven't really seen it as much as we would like and the fact that we're starting to see the the resurgence of old school aaron rodgers and and that's that's even that is kind of a lie because yesterday was not old school aaron rodgers yesterday was that, that's not old school anything that that's a once in a in a career performance literally i mean there are lots of quarterbacks that do not have a, a day like that including aaron rodgers up until yesterday but i i, I geez man there, there's really I, i'm trying so hard to to combat a certain narrative because i don't want to go there yet the two biggest takeaways though that i had in this game and and that have me the most excited after this game are aaron Rodgers and matt lafleur aaron Rodgers is back and matt lafleur is already i think exceeded all of my wildest expectations this offense is uh, it's 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 twofold he has done what we're seeing in Aaron Rodgers. I believe that. We we saw Matt Ryan have the best year of his entire career when Matt LaFleur was his quarterback coach. We saw Jared Goff's career take off when Matt LaFleur was over there as the OC. Now, it's hard to say definitively well, Matt LaFleur was the answer or why it happened, but you look at Aaron Rodgers and, and the performance he's had mixed in with the scheme and, and the fact that Aaron Rodgers has bought in and when I look at this offense and the fact that it's still winning despite Devontae Adams going out, this is for real, man. Because as much as I – and that, that that's part of the reason I pushed back a little bit on the, the Alan Lazard hype, because I think a lot of Packer fans are looking for an excuse as to why we won, you know, against the Lions, because we didn't have any receivers, what's going on here? Well, it's because Lazard stepped up and was a freak, and that that's true. He did step up in a huge way. But the question is, how is it that the Packers continue to overcome adversity week after week after week? And when you look at the offensive scheme, when you look at the way that guys are are getting schemed over, it just feels like this thing is growing every single week. It just keeps getting better. And I know Oakland is a terrible defense. I told you prior to this game, they had the worst defense in football, according to PFF. But so what? The most points anybody put on the Raiders this entire year was 34 points, and that's the Vikings. The Packers, without Devontae Adams, hung 42 points on Oakland. What in the world would have happened if Devontae played in this game? The scheme is legit, man. The scheme is for real, and, and, and there's more to a team than scheme. But it is very, it, it's very apparent that Matt LaFleur has the ability to take the players that he has and make it work. We've seen that now two weeks in a row, and, and, and it was huge that Geronimo and MVS played in this game. I'm not saying that necessarily is the reason we won, but I think that changes the landscape a lot because they came up in a lot of big situations. But still, when you actually look at it, as great as MVS was and as big as, as Geronimo, Geronimo doing Geronimo things, right? Coming up big on third downs. But look at the distribution of this. You had Jimmy Graham with four receptions, 65 yards. You had Geronimo, four receptions, 33 yards. Aaron Jones, four for 33. Jamal, four for 26 you had Alan Lazard, 3-for-42. You had Marquez, 2-for-133. Jay Kumro, 2-for-54. Danny Vitale, 2-for-43. You had eight guys, and not one player had more than four receptions in this game. No receiver had more than four receptions in this game, and Aaron Rodgers threw for 429 yards and five touchdowns. What What is this offense? That is unbelievably impressive. And look at the touchdowns. Nobody dominated touchdowns. Marquez had one, Jimmy had one, Kumaro had one, Aaron Jones had one, Jamal had one. I had mentioned that it's not impossible that Devontae going out was going to be beneficial for this team. Hear me out now. I'm not saying that makes this team better because it doesn't. I'm saying it's beneficial because it forces it forces the team to rely on essentially what we had against the Raiders. It's Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. These two have to be special. We have to lean heavily on this scheme to scheme guys open. Matt LaFleur has been masterful in that. And we have to rely on Aaron Rodgers to do two things. Number one, make good decisions. Understand where the open man is going to be and get it to him. And then at times when guys aren't open, make perfect pinpoint passes to the guy that's in, you know, single coverage. In other words, it's a 50-50 ball, hang it right over his shoulder right into his hands. And for the last 2 to 3 weeks in a row, we've seen some beautiful pinpoint passes right to a guy that have no business even being thrown. This is this is um it's pretty special. Obviously not everything is perfect, but th- this is it it's very exciting to see. Because it feels like almost – I don't want to say the resurgence of 2011 Packers because that was a different thing. That was more of a Mike McCarthy off awesome where we just had really good players and we just went out and dominated everybody's face. This feels a little bit more like I would almost say the Patriots. The Patriots aren't, all, aren't exactly, you know, brute force, masterful. Like I just – you know, like backyard football where you just launch it up and somebody's going to catch it because we've got like five elite wide receivers – we got an offensive line that can block for Aaron Rodgers for like a month. And Aaron Rodgers can do anything he wants with the ball. And he's in such good sync with his receivers. Like if nobody's open, they just, you know, Aaron Rodgers launches it while Jordy's in a full sprint. And they just got this thing timed out so well that he just stops, turns, and the ball's like basically embedded in his face mask. It's not that. It's, it's again, it's more like the Patriots where it's just this efficient machine where they go down the field and it's like there's a guy open, there's a guy open and here's a guy making a play and you know we'll take 5 there, we'll take 6 there and then third down it's you know we're we're 8 of 9 on third down because it's it's third and short and we know how to scheme a guy open. It's a frustrating offense. It's an offense where if you don't like the Packers or in the case of everybody on the planet outside of Boston, if you don't like the Patriots, you're watching the offense going, "Come on. How is there a guy open all the time?" That's what the Packers are trending toward. And and the beautiful thing about it, and and I can't say this is gonna hold true if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt because he's a, he's a key component, and also Tim Boyle is. I mean, is a bit of a drop off there. No offense, love you, bro. He's my bro. Bro, I don't know if you knew. We hang out. Anyways, that's a lie. It's the kind of offense that can overcome something like a loss to Devontae. It's how the Patriots, and also, for example, the Seattle Seahawks, again, the quarterback in all these situations makes a big difference, but it's one of those things where as the talent dwindles and you sit there and go, oh, you guys are doomed, and then they're not doomed, it kind of just goes to show how talented the, the team, especially, and the coaching the organization really is. I'm blown away by the Seahawks and the fact that they have their talent has eroded down to nothing and they are still dominant. Look at the Saints. They lost Drew Brees. I'm sitting here thinking, dunzoed. They're, they're done. They're, they got, it's over. Sorry, pack it in. Better luck next year. Look at, they don't lose. And Teddy's playing out of his mind. I caught a little bit of that game. That dude had some pinpoint passes. I'm super stoked for that guy. I really hope he gets a big contract after that. I know he kind of got a, a big enough contract as a backup, but he was one of those guys where even when he was in Minnesota, you still kind of like him. Like I didn't say it out loud, I don't think any of us did, but you still kinda like the guy you're rooting for him. He had a terrible injury and all that. So anyways, little side I mean as long as he doesn't come back to Minnesota, I'm hoping well, maybe I do want him to come back to Minnesota. If they're willing to throw a ridiculous contract at somebody, I'm happy for Teddy, but I mean he's not gonna be the savior of the world. That would be a good that would be good for everybody. Minnesota gets false hope, which is great for them. They live on that stuff. Teddy gets a big well deserved contract and Packer fans get you know However, four more years of not great quarterback play. Of course, I'm speaking kind of tongue-in-cheek because Kirk Cousins is playing out of his mind. I just like to throw shade, man, all right? Leave me alone. By the way, told y'all they were for real. I'm glad to see Detroit put up a bunch of points on their defense, but Minnesota's legit, man. What am I even saying anymore, man? I'm I'm all fired up. This coffee's just getting me. Also, the Packers put up 42 points, so I'm a little geeked out right now. Anyways, again, this is... This is exciting because it also sets a team up for, number one, long-term success, as long as Matt LaFleur is the coach. And, and again, the other thing that the Packers have that, for example, the Seattle Seahawks do not, obviously the Patriots do, Saints seem to be doing a really good job. We have a very good GM, and so we have faith in the fact that he has the ability to bring in talent. Obviously he's not perfect, but but nobody is. That's the problem. People look at Rashawn and they're like, Why is he so bad? and what you know, what's going on with this? And like, yeah, that's great. Savage was good, and Elton Jenkins is good and Jair's good and you know, he missed on this guy. I know. Go find me the team that hit on all their picks. You're not gonna find it. You're more likely to find a team that missed on all their picks than hit on even half their picks. I I d I don't know that for sure, but I would be very willing to to stand by that prediction until someone can prove me wrong. Because that's how hit hit and miss the the draft is. Almost all the picks are misses. And I think that's a perspective that we don't understand very well. So before we hit the break, I just want to, well, now let's just wait. What I do want to do before the break, though, again, encourage you to get in the, uh, the jersey giveaway. Very, very simple. All you have to do is go follow on Instagram. We're almost there. Uh, I think like almost about 280 so possibly by today or or definitely by the end of the week somebody is going to have won the jersey what we've decided to do is only announce the winner on the podcast so if you're a listener but you're kind of a wishy-washy listener but you want to be involved in the 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 contest it's not going to be a one-day thing we'll do it over the course of several days to try to make sure that you hear it but don't abandon for like a week because i would really feel bad if you missed out on on the jersey but we also just wanted to make sure that it's a listener that wins it and not just some rando on Instagram that follows me. And, you know, like, oh, here's a jersey. And he's like, what? Okay. No, this is this is for listeners. Um, y'all know I like to give back, man. You guys give me more than I give you, I feel. But, um, you know, we got the stock market game and whatnot. And every day it's like, dude, I'm not doing enough. For, for, for the listeners i feel so bad that I've, I've got this premium thing and i haven't put a video up on there i'm trying to think of how to get that done while at the same time getting rid of other projects because i'm doing too much but um i really do appreciate everybody and how much support i get and in the interaction and everything i've been getting a ton of pictures keep sending me pictures and videos if you went to the game shoot it to me I'd, I'd love to be able to share it on instagram because i don't know what it's for other than pictures so i feel like that's what you do i, st- I still don't what, what is the point of a story by the way I still don't get it. Like, wh- why would I do that? Like, does anybody even see that? What? I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I, I feel like I'm a six, 60-year-old man. I don't know. I'm sure I'll figure it out. I, I didn't understand Twitter at first. I thought it was the worst thing in the world. It's like a Facebook wall, except it doesn't have any of the other features. Why do I care about this? Anyways, be sure to do that. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, um, an, an iTunes review would be the biggest thing. The second biggest thing. just, Just word of mouth, man. Most people I talk to, they, first of all, my family is just now discovering I have a podcast, and they're all like, what? <laughs> they, they literally they had no idea, because I don't tell anybody anything. I'm weird like that. But it's also to my detriment, because I need people to know. So I need your help. All the extroverts out there, go talk to people. Those of you weird people that have friends, tell your friends. Most of the time, what I've found, especially with family, is the follow-up question is, what is a podcast? we got to get through that barrier. There's millions of Packer fans out there that are missing out. Podcasts are awesome. They need to know what they are. So anyways, that, that's the biggest way to help out. Otherwise, if you're an introvert and have massive amounts of money, I have solutions for you as well. Be sure to check the link in the description. Got a little something for you too. Anyways, let's take a break and we'll be right back. So I got a message in the Facebook group. The message is from Bruce. He says, I just won 90 bucks on my bookie with promo code overtime. Thanks, Ryan. You got it, big guy. I've been trying to tell you, man, I'm hoping that the information I'm giving you is helping you to make informed decisions, and I'm hoping that you can take the information that I give you as well as the information you have to not just enjoy the game by watching the Packers dominate, but to make a little extra coin, because what could be better than watching the Packers hang up 42 points and cash in 90 bucks on it just because you backed your team? I mean, I don't know what his bet was, but I have to assume, because his bet... Literally could have been about anything because my bookies got it covered from totals, spreads, but also a ton of different prop bets. There's season-long bets like NFC North Ticket, which, man, I tell you what, I've been telling you about these offers for a while. I'm betting there's several people that wish they had got in on the ground floor buying an NFC North Ticket because although the Vikings are nipping at our heels, it's starting to look pretty promising that the Packers may win the division. And I don't know what this, the, the payout was if we'd have got in on that on the ground floor but I'm guessing it would have been relatively high. There's still opportunities, though, man, because the uh, there's still a Super Bowl ticket out there. Lots of options. Either way, as always, please remember that Overtime has teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you a fantastic offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code Overtime, and they'll match your first deposit. Again, promo code Overtime, new users get the first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. So um, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I'm a man of many talents, and I, I'm a little shy, but um, I, I'd like to share something with you and, and kind of bear my heart a little bit here. I, I wrote a poem, and, um, you know, again, a lot of you don't know that I, I have an artistic side, and um, anyways, I, I just want to share it with you because I have an audience, and I, I just, I'd love some feedback. I, I've titled the poem The Chicago Bears. Here I sit, hearted. Let's get Tank Fertua started. (laughs) Oh, they're so bad. (laughs) I'm sorry. It makes me happy. I mean, I would have been happy with the Saints losing, but that's just not going to happen. And, um, you know, burn. I'd also say it's an atrocity that the Detroit Lions lost by such a massive margin. They are a phenomenal team. That would be undefeated if it were not for cheating. Shame on the Vikings for doing fill-in-the-blank I don't know yet, but I'm sure there were a couple bad calls, and had those calls not been made, the Detroit Lions would have easily been able to make up that 12-point uh, deficit. So shame on the refs, as well as um, I don't know wh- whatever things we like to blame on it. society, probably right. We got to blame society for this, and um, and parents. Let's 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 throw in parents. Shame on parents, society, and referees for discriminating against. Um, the Detroit Lions and conspiring to hold them down. Because let's face it, the Detroit Lions, as we all know, are the best team in the NFC North, as evidenced by their franchise history. The idea that they would ever be in last place in this division, I just it's staggering. I mean Detroit and Chicago at the bottom, with Minnesota and the Packers as, as at the top and the Packers being number I mean this this is just weird. That just these things just don't happen obviously there is some kind of systemic outside force that is a factor here that is you know holding back the lions and i'm i'm, I'm here when whenever you you fine blue gentlemen decide to march in the streets you let me know because i got your back man i'll be right out there with you hey hey ho ho cheating refs have got to go right i mean i don't know you guys will figure it out did did you get your billboards up by the way I'd love to know what they are, or maybe you just keep the Packer billboards up because it's better to just cry about cheating then than to acknowledge that you just got straight up spanked by the Vikings and have no excuses left. I don't know. I'm just I'm curious. I haven't really looked into it because I kind of don't care outside of me just wanting to make fun of the Lions. But I am a little curious what the uh, the narrative is right now. But um, anyways, you know, GG, good game, good season. Better luck next year. You know, I'm sure you guys will uh, you know figure it out. So, I'm going to go. <laughs> oh, Vikings are good, though, man. I'm telling you. I am, I'm I I'm happy that it's just one. I mean, you know, Detroit and Chicago could still end up beating the Packers by the end of the year, but I, I think they're both teams that are going to lose a lot. So, it's not going to be super impactful so long as the Packers continue to win games like they did against the Oakland Raiders. Um, anyways, let me talk for a moment about my prediction because, and I'm not backing away from it, but... Let me just say why I'm a little less confident, but I'm going to stand by it because if it happens, you know, I mean, it'd be pretty cool, pretty cool. The prediction that if the Packers win, they're going to be calling about wide receivers. Number The, the number one factor that kind of has me hesitant is when the announcers said that they believe Devontae is going to be practicing. If there is a genuine belief, not, and again, I, I had mentioned that it's not just because of Devontae, it's because we're going all in. So I'm, I'm standing by that. But there are multiple factors at play here. The number one thing is if, if Devontae is a full go, against the Chiefs, we may not need to necessarily go that route. And the other end of the factor as to why that's the case isn't necessarily because I believe we have elite wide receivers because we don't, but it's the fact that what I said prior to the break about how Matt LaFleur has the ability to make it work. So I do believe we're in all-in mode. The question is, what do we do about it? So I, I believe what I had said was true about Brian Gutekunst looking at this saying, dude, we're 6-1 and one we're going in, and we're going to expend resources if we need to. The question is, do we need to, and then where? If there's an area, I still think it's wide receiver. The question is, how dire is that? Especially with the offense continuing to get better, and Aaron Rodgers continuing to get better. And if Devontae comes back, and, and you know the guys, even though Marquez maybe isn't a, a top-tier guy, he comes up big and does what he does. He's a two-reception, 133 yards, and a touchdown guy, right? Geronimo, definitely not a, a solid number two, but he is solid, and he comes up big on third down, et cetera, et cetera. Kumaro, very similar. He He's sporadic, but when he comes up, he comes up big, right? We've got a lot of guys, and we just need one of them to step up once in a while. Danny Vitale, Alan Lazard, clearly not as good of a day as he had last time, right? He had a really, really bad drop, hit him right in the chest, right in the hands. But came up huge on a really tough leaping catch that he had no business catching. I mean, he's he's pulling a James Jones out there. He can't catch the easy ones, but you give him an an impossible catch he has no business catching, he'll come down with it. Oh, you're six four? Let me just launch this seventy-five feet in the air and see if you can sky up and catch it, and then come down and just land barely on your elbow before you go out of bounds. Then you got Jones, and you got Williams, and we got Jimmy Graham. Jimmy obviously is extremely sporadic in terms of the day that he's going to put up one minute. He's having a terrible day the next minute. And this isn't the first time he's had a good day, right? You got some people out there saying, oh, what happened to Jimmy being no good? I mean, again, he's he's had good days. He's had days where he's almost carried the team and been the, the top receiving option. And we've talked about it at that time. But, you know, I don't think four receptions for 65 yards and a touchdown necessarily – um, automatically warrants you to be the top paid tight end in all of football. I mean, listen, if he was on the Mercedes Lewis contract, I don't have a problem with Jimmy Graham. I mean, if, if he's on sort of one of those older veteran, you know, two, three, four, five million dollar contracts, fine. You know, it's cool. You start talking double digits and highest paid tight end above guys like Jason Kelsey and whatever. It's like, come on, man. But still, he, you know, he has good days. He has certain utilizations and certain things that he does really well. And if he's having an off day, I guess we just go somewhere else. So I'm going to I'm gonna hold on to it, although I'm less confident in it. Because although I think it would be massive to be able to go out and do something, I also think it becomes complicated because there's really two options. Number one is to go out and get somebody like a Mohamed Sanu, if, if he's even available. The problem with that is I don't think Mohamed Sanu is, is that much better than the guys we have. So we're just kind of adding another mediocre wide receiver. Because Sanu, at this point in his career, is, is just mediocre. And it kind of makes sense because of, I mean, I get, he wasn't there, I don't think, when Matt LaFleur was there. I think he started the very next year. But it should be somewhat similar schematically. I don't know. So that that's one option, which I think is useless. It's a waste of, of draft capital and, and money. The other option is to go all in on a really big, impactful player. This would be the Emmanuel Sanderses or the A.J. Greens. The problem with that is the massive cost, and it becomes a question of, do you want to expend that much cost when maybe you don't really need it? Now, it's, it's absolutely a luxury thing. You can look at it and say you don't need it, but, right, yeah, you hung up 42 points on the Raiders. What about the, the Chiefs, though? What about seeing the Bears again? What, what about those games when you play those really good defenses who are just going to take away Devontae and then it becomes a bigger struggle? Because you can't run the ball and you're having a hard time trying to get Kumaro going and trying to get Lazard going and trying to get Geronimo going because they got really good corners. You look at, for example, the Patriots. Let's say it's Packers-Patriots in the Super Bowl. Th- that defense is unbelievable. Trying to run against them is going to be very, very hard. Trying to pass against them is going to be ridiculously hard because they've got the best corners, the best DBs in football. You know, we got the Vikings defense again. we got the Bears defense again. So I'm not opposed to it. I mean, it's an all-in move. It's a bold move. I absolutely understand the idea that you don't want to, you know, quote-unquote, leverage your future or whatever you want to call it, I don't necessarily – I mean, I'm, I'm looking at like a three-, four-year window with Aaron Rodgers and, and trying to say how do we maximize and win Super Bowls here. And I, and I listen, I'm very anti-all-in. I'm very – like I am I was traumatized by Ted Thompson. I got Stockholm Syndrome from Ted Thompson. I hate free agency and all this stuff, and I'm trying to get over that, that complex of like, no, you, you play through the draft and you don't do all this. I'm getting better at it. But I think as a general philosophy, it's a a matter of you you gauge where you're at as a team and you act accordingly. And I think the Packers are on the verge of a very, very serious run here. I don't think there's a lot standing in our way to getting into the playoffs. I don't know that there's a lot standing in our way in terms of of getting a a first-round bye. But there's a lot of potential losses coming up, and it really just comes down to making sure you don't lose to teams like the Raiders and also being able to beat teams that are really good, like the 49ers, which are coming up quickly. Like the Chiefs, despite not having Pat Mahomes, they're a team that can—I believe the Chiefs will be similar to the Saints. It's not just Pat Mahomes. I think they have a very good coach, a very good offensive scheme, some very good skilled players. I think they'll make it work. I don't think we're going to steamroll the Chiefs just because Pat Mahomes isn't there. And you got a lot of Packer fans getting super cocky. Like, oh, who needs a wide receiver now? Like, Come on, man. What, because of Kumaro? I, I, I mean, Geronimo, four for 33? Marquez caught two passes. And they were huge, but I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm not going to just look at the Raiders game and say, we don't need anything. Because we've seen good defenses who simply say, we're taking away Devontae, now what are you going to do? And the Packers go, I don't know, I guess lean on the defense and hope that they can keep the team to three points because we can only get ten because that's not going to work and i don't want to get to the super bowl and be embarrassed i don't want to get knocked out of the playoffs again i'm tired of it i want another super bowl man and i'm listen again i'm very much not this guy but i I just i see a clear path and i just want to run through it just go no i don't want to destroy the future but why would it destroy the future again we already went through the salary cap it's not a first round pick we're giving up what are we going to give up a third so what you're going to get a better return on a third-round pick than, than you would from A.J. Green? No, never. He, he's a top-ten wide receiver today. Well, not today. He's hurt today. But, you know, in a couple weeks, whatever. And look, I'm, I'm fine with saying we don't need him. That's that's, that's that's a fair opinion. I'm I'm very on the fence. If they don't do it, I get it, but I'm nervous. If they do do it, I'm nervous, but I get it. And it would also be an, an encouraging thing because it means that Gutekunst sees things the way that I'm I'm explaining it, the way that I'm now seeing things in terms of, all right, this is this is legit. We need to make sure that we actually make a run at this. Not like, well, this is pretty good, but I still want to stick to this two-year track. Forget the two-year track. That's out the window now. This is legit. This is for real. We have to support this. We have to try to actually win. And I know teams always oh, try to win every year. Baloney. No, you don't. And, and again, I don't believe the Packers came into this expecting to just fly into the playoffs, and again, we're not there yet. Six wins doesn't get you in. You, you need at least four more. Something devastating could happen, a bunch of losses, whatever, I don't know. But it certainly seems as though the Packers are going to get into the playoffs, and they're doing a fantastic job overcoming massive challenges. They seem built for a playoff run with the defense, which, you know, really did not have a very good day, and I got into an argument on someone on Twitter, but I don't know why, because there's a difference between not having a good day and coming up big which is what the defense has always been good at. Right? Even when they're having a bad day, which is what I said on Twitter that someone objected to, they still find a way to come up big when it counts. We've seen this several times. I mean, I guess you could technically call it Ben Don't Break as much as I hate that because I'm traumatized by that from Ted Thompson. I mean, from, jeez, my I've just wiped him from my memory, from Dom Capers. And I don't think that's necessarily the philosophy, although it, it, maybe it was a little bit because they looked like they were playing a lot of just pretty soft zone I was expecting some, like, in-your-face press man stuff, and there was just a lot of, it was just zone all day. So maybe that was the plan. Just, like I said, just let them continue to slowly work their way down the field, and eventually the defense will come up big on a play, and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, a lot of people had bad days, and it was upsetting. I mean, I can go through the list and and name them, and I'm sure PFF is not going to be very friendly to the defense as much as people are like, yeah, defense, whatever. I mean, you have to know, right? I mean, Blake, again, was just like, what in the world? Now it almost looks like he's just not even putting in effort. I mean, I remember seeing, like, big plays and trying to watch him run from behind, and he's, like, jogging with the player running past him, and he's, like, slowly jogging after him. Like, dude, are you giving up, man? Like, you just have given up on this idea of getting a big contract next year. You don't even care anymore. You're just going to go the Jake Ryan route and get some BS contract from some garbage team somewhere that just needs a lot of help? Go get a 5-milli contract? Just don't even care anymore or what? I, don't, I just I don't get it, man. But anyway, it, it whenever something goes down, something else picks up. If, if the defense falls apart, someone on the defense makes a play. And the offense steps up. I mean you know, if the offense is having a bad day, the defense steps up. If the, the run game is having a bad day, the the secondary steps up. If King has a bad day, Jair steps up. If Aaron Jones has a bad day, Jamal steps up, and vice versa. It just it it's it's so much fun to watch this team and and, and again, I think part of the problem is Packer fans aren't used to this. This is not the Packers we're used to. We're used to, you got one or two guys that are really good, and they dominate to such a massive degree that the Packers overcome all the other deficiencies. And that's every week. And if if, if the good players have bad days, we lose. This is a different, I mean, again, this is similar to what you see with the Patriots and the Seahawks and those kinds of teams that are, that are more mentally stable, that are more foundationally stable, where they, they can overcome all kinds of adversity. And they don't quit, and they don't give up, and they keep grinding till the very end. They, they've got these comeback wins, and they've got all these things that they, they just never get down on themselves. And just when somebody goes down, somebody else steps up. And this has been every week. Every week you look at it and go, well, I mean, they won, but this was really bad. And usually that would be a bad thing for the Packers because it's like, well, eventually this thing's going to fall apart. But it just keeps happening. There's always adversity, and they find a way to to overcome the adversity. And you look at it, and you're like, 42-24, I feel like nothing there. There's nothing to complain about, and I certainly won't be complaining today. We'll kind of look. And it's not complaining, but we'll we'll address it tomorrow when I get a little bit more information from the grades and statistics and whatnot. Obviously, there was almost no pressure in this game. That's problematic. Um, The inability to. I mean, they they really didn't stop anything. They were passing at will. They were running at will. There was no pressure. Basically, nothing was going well up until the point when things went really, really well right? Fumble into the end zone. I mean, that was that was going to be a touchdown. Packers couldn't stop anything. You know, the pick. Terrible decision by uh, the quarterback. Amos tips it up in the air. Um, Kevin King comes down with it, right? Made a play when it counted. The Packers D in a nutshell, man. D-train, which I guess they're sticking with that. I don't know why. I don't care for that name, but I guess I'll support it. There's so many other good names, man. D train. Who
1: who comes up with that? Whatever.
0: I, you know, I don't know. It's almost like one of those things that like Aaron Rodgers kind of came up with it, and nobody really liked it. But they're like, well, it's Aaron Rodgers, so I guess we'll do it. Like, let's just do it. Let's let's. I, you know, I can't imagine like Jair came up with that. I don't know. Maybe I just it. it feels feels wrong. I know Mike Pettin didn't come up with it. <laughs> I could see the team going to Mike and being like, what do you think we should call this defense? The I'll destroy your whole family defense. Like, yeah. Yeah, we'll add it to the list there, there, uh, big P. That's real good, man. Y'all kick your kid. I don't even care. Defense. No, no, no. It's good, man. I'll, we'll add that too. Thanks, dog. See you at the meeting, right? Yeah. Super excited. Let's get out of here. This guy's crazy. He did not come up with D train. His 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 sack celebration would be like stabbing people. I mean, he's just he's crazy. I don't know. I'd love to get an answer on who came up with that though. But let let's just. Real quick, kind of, I guess, randomly, but just because I want to say these things. Let's just run through the stats real quick. Aaron Rodgers, historic day, 25 of 31, 429 yards, 5 touchdowns, no interceptions. Also ran for a touchdown. We'll get to rushing, but, I mean, just just do it now. Aaron Jones, 12 carries, 50 yards, 4.2 average, solid day. Aaron Rodgers, 2 carries, 6 yards, and a TD. Jamal, 3 carries, 5 yards, definitely not his best effort, but he still had a good day. Dexter Williams I literally didn't even know he was on the field when did that happen oh maybe that was at the that was probably at the end of the game three carries two yards 0.7 yard average you can't really get down on the guy I mean it was this is our second string offense blocking for Dexter Williams when the Oakland Raiders know 100% we're just going to run the ball not getting down on Dexter on that one it's good that he was out there though you know means absolutely nothing because you know whatever also it's really sad to see josh jackson come out with the backups and not be able to win like he instantly just got picked on he's out there with other backups and he's the one getting picked on like he is he is the bottom rung right now it's it's, i mean he's gone it's just kind of sad uh i already ran through the um the receiving thing so we won't do that again blake martinez uh had a forced fumble so props to him. I don't think he had a very good day, but that was pretty big. Kevin King with a pass deflection and a pick. Adrian Amos two pass deflections. Zero sacks on the day, which is unfortunate because we're trying to keep that thing going. This was a real good opportunity because they don't have a very good offensive line, but for whatever reason didn't happen. Kyler Facerol had the one tackle for a loss though, so we got that going for us. Crosby 6 for 6 on his extra points, so add a boy. JK Scott three punts, 55.3 average. His longest being 57 yards. Darius Shepard, just still not doing very good things on these kickoff returns. Four returns, 15-yard average. His longest was 20 yards. So why don't we take our second break, and then I want to dive into the Facebook group a little bit. I haven't really looked at it yet, but they always have some good material. I'm counting on that being able to get us through the day here. Today's episode of the Packernet podcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ the brand new streaming sports news network. It's live 24/7 and costs you nothing. That's right it's sports coverage that's always on and always free always. It's actually kind of cool when they pitched this to me because I remember I was reading through it and I'm like this are, are you serious? like it's actually free and I went and downloaded it, and sure enough just free sports coverage so it, it is a very very good resource to be able to you know follow all the Packers news. They got all the highlights, the breaking news as it happens, um, You know everything from fantasy to your, your daily betting. They got all that stuff on there. And again, completely free. Not a trial, not any of that stuff. Just download the app and boom, there you go. So it's the CBS Sports app, so jump in on um, iTunes, Google Play, whatever, download that. You can also get it on Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, all that kind of stuff, so you can connect it to those devices. Check it out on TV, which is something that I need to do. But no fake debates, just sports for real sports fans, and a great price of, you know, free. You don't even have to log in or sign up or anything. Just download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. I mentioned how much I love getting all of these pictures for Instagram, and I love seeing how much fun people have at these, these home games. If you're planning on going to a game, whether it's a home game, or maybe it's a road trip out to see the Kansas City Chiefs, at Arrowhead Stadium, I, I, one of these days I definitely want to do that. I want to go to Arrowhead. Make sure you're using Vivid Seats, who are the top source for tickets for events that you want to go to. I know in the back of your mind you're thinking about it. Some of you guys are, are across the pond. Some of you guys are, are kind of distant from Lambeau. If, if, if there's a part of you that just wants to get in the car and drive, get on a plane and fly. We, we Just talk to somebody in the Facebook group. He's a Kiwi, and he actually put a little Kiwi on his, on his cheese head and all that stuff. He's, he came out here. I just got the pictures back. He's been going to Packer games. He's having a great time. Be sure you download and use Vivid Seats. Remember, they got the royalty excuse me, loyalty rewards program that allows fans to earn credit back for Vivid Seats rewards. You're automatically enrolled in Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program when you download the app in the App Store or Google Play. Every purchase, of course, is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more Vivid Seats has everything you want. Download the app and join Vivid Seats reward loyalty program today. And when it's time to buy, make sure you remember to use promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. I want you to save money and I want Vivid Seats to know that we've got active and engaged listeners and I know you guys are. Not only that, you guys are diehard fans, so I'm sure you're going to be going to a few games. So pop in that promo code and let me know when you do. So we'll start off with Mike. Mike says, I love the way the coach finished uh, by giving Rodgers the game ball, saying he threw five touchdowns, and the old man ran for one. He said, wow, this re- relationship is really in shambles. So I would play the audio, but you, you got to watch the video because it, the audio doesn't really do it. But go check out the locker room. The, the is everywhere. You've probably seen it, but if you haven't, go check it out. It is really, really awesome. And, and th- this is not... These two things are not separate. The success of this offense, the continued growth of the offense, call it scheme, whatever you want to call it, these two things don't work independent of each other. The relationship and the closeness of the locker room, and listen, go back and listen. I need to do a better job of posting last year's episodes, by the way, but go back and listen to some of the episodes I posted and how much I hammered locker room, locker room, locker room, locker room, locker room. I was getting to the point where I was talking about it every day and how serious of a problem it was and how happy I was that Gutekunst was kicking people out because he knows the locker room is a problem and has to be fixed. We have to fix the locker room. This is the result. This is a fantastic relationship. I've already talked about it, but what a great job um, Brian Gutekunst, but especially Matt LaFleur has done, bringing this new culture into the locker room. These guys are having so much fun, it's ridiculous. And you just watch you know how close. You know, There's another video out there. Uh, who was that? Oh, Matt posted it, Matthew. Big Matt G. Uh, he, he's in the Facebook group. Go, go check out his post. But he took a screenshot of his TV when uh, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, right after a touchdown, I think they were watching the review or whatever, but they simultaneously do, like, the exact same move, like a 180 fist punch. He says, Coach Matt and Rodgers right in sync. Go, pack, go. It's an awesome video, and it, it it's kind of silly, like, who cares? But it is – It. I mean, this is – it just it is it's true. They're just in sync, right? And you can just tell their friends. Like even as they do the fist bump, you look over at Aaron Rodgers and like he's watching Lafleur. He like kind of gives him a look. Like I, I I don't know. They 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 just I think they just genuinely like each other. Obviously, the narrative was wrong about Aaron Rodgers being uncoachable and all that stuff. It just it just was wrong, and we know that at this point. There's no discussion about it right now. This this is a special thing, and it, and it goes to the point of why I was saying. You know, I wouldn't mind going out and getting a receiver. It's not about we can't do it without a receiver. We obviously can. I, I just I want I, I wanna go because I think that this is you know, and, and maybe next year we'll 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 get the receiver and we don't need to g- part, part of the problem is you never know what next year brings. You just don't know. You don't know who's gonna be gone. You don't know what the environment is gonna be like. We see all the time teams that are on top that just drop off. When you've got the keys, you gotta go through the door. Dumb and cheesy as that was, I just felt like I needed to finish that analogy with the door. When you've got it, you got to just go because you you can't count on well next year. I mean, if you're the Bears, you got nothing else but next year. But, you know, when when you're a team, even if you believe that we're set up for long-term success and let's not try to ruin the future, when when you're this close, I think you got to explore your options. But, yeah, that, that, that locker room thing was awesome. Um, Mark, by the way, is his name in the Facebook group from New Zealand, but he's been sending pictures. It, it, it's really, I, I love the international aspect of this. One of the things that I miss, no disrespect to my current podcast hosts, but um, one of the hosting companies I used to use, there was a map. And on the map, it would show you, you know, across the world where all your listeners are coming from. And I was stunned to find out what a small percentage actually came out of Wisconsin. I would have thought like 90% were Wisconsin and then a couple scattered. It was like 1% came out of Wisconsin. People are spread all across the country and all across the globe. And it's just, I, I, I really do miss that. I actually had a thing for a while where I would like shout out somebody from a certain country. Not that obviously I could see their name, but it was it was awesome like in the middle of Africa somewhere somebody's listening. You you know, you got like 15 people in Japan or in Tokyo or whatever listening. You got people just everywhere in the most random places. Like who are you and why are you listening to my podcast? I mean maybe it's a transplant or whatever, but still it's it, it, it's a very very cool thing to see what the, what a broad reach it is. And I remember, I you know, I kept seeing in, in Packers Facebook groups about, like, how did you become a Packer fan? And I thought it was a weird question, because I just assume Packer fans are people that grow up in Wisconsin. I didn't. But, you know, my dad was from Wisconsin, so that's why I became a Packer fan. But it just seemed weird. Like, why would you... Why is that such a big question? How did you become a Packer? Because most Packer fans are not in Wisconsin. At least most of my listeners are not from Wisconsin. It's really not even close. And again, that, that to me is, is pretty shocking. Also... Shame on all of you for not getting the word out, because most Packer fans probably are from Wisconsin. But uh, the listenership is everywhere, and it's, it's just it's very cool to see. Um, it's one of the big reasons I'd love for Green Bay to go play in um, in London sometime. I know that's a, a tough thing to get worked out, but I know there's a real loyal fan base over there and a lot of big fans, and it would be great to be able to spread the brand over there and expand whenever and wherever we can. So Lee says, he's I kind of already talked about it, but he says, could it be a good thing, in the long run, that Devontae is out. Rodgers actually has to go through his progressions, get more familiar with the other receivers instead of just looking at Devontae all the time. And yeah. Um, now, the, the question is, do we go back to that when Devontae comes back because he's obviously going to be the, the number one read, and that becomes a problem because when your number one read is never open because he's doubled all the time, we kind of regress a little bit? Or do we take this as a, a learning moment and say, we're going to have other guys as, as our primary reads. We're going to scheme other guys open, which... Now that we've seen the success, I think we should. It seems counterintuitive. Why wouldn't Devontae be your number one read all the time? The benefit of it is teams are going to have to start, they're going to have to stop doing double teams on Devontae. I mean, it's similar to when people load the box and you start throwing. It's like, we're just going to keep throwing until you get away from this. Then once they back off, what do we do? We run the ball or vice versa, right? We're, we're not going to stack the box because it's Aaron Rodgers. All right, we're just going to run. And we start gashing it for seven yards, and then they're like, all right, got to bring some extra people. All right, cool, now we're going to throw. We we can't get into the mode of playing into what they're trying to take away, like playing into the defense's strength. Don't do that. So we, we've proven the concept that the offensive scheme and Aaron Rodgers and these receivers and tight ends and re- running backs can operate without Devontae. We need to continue that when Devontae comes back and not lean on him too heavily because it's too easy to take away a guy. And it's not because, it, you know, Devontae is... He's one of the top guys. It's not a matter of Devontae isn't good enough. It's just a matter of when you expend extra resources, this is what happens. And it's up to the Packers then to adjust. And also Aaron Rodgers, because it's possible that LaFleur wants him to look away, but Rodgers is like, no, dude, that's Devontae Adams over there. That's where I'm looking. Sorry, this is what we're doing right now. And so I I do hope that this has been a positive experience in showing Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and the rest of this team that we don't just have to lean on Devontae too much. As much as that's definitely your best option most of the time, um, you know we we can again we can play into the defense's hands if if we just lean on him the whole game. Daniel says, are we really taking a blowout win over the Oakland Raiders and saying the Packers are good enough to um, as is to win a Super Bowl? Sure, the wide receivers had a good day, but shouldn't we try to put the group over the top instead of settling? How much of today's success was just Oakland being trash? I I, I yeah I, I generally agree. But I, I don't want to just assume that a blowout was, was just automatic. Again, the, the Packers have blown out the Raiders and are the only team that's done it so far this year. Um, there was no guarantee the Packers even win this game. And again, this is why I kind of said we need to see what happens here before we decide are we really Super Bowl contenders. Because if we lose this game or if we struggle in this game, it's kind of one of those things where maybe we pull back a little bit. And it's like, you know, maybe this team isn't suited, suited for making a push. Aaron Rodgers having a career game. Oakland Raiders are not, right? I mean, the Eagles had a terrible secondary. We didn't do this to the Eagles. The Cowboys don't have a very good secondary. We didn't do this to the Cowboys. And so I agree that we shouldn't just look at Oakland in, in its, by itself and say, hey, we hung up 42 points. That means we're awesome. That's definitely not what I want to say. But this is what you expect. Let, again, go, going back to the Patriots, what would the Patriots do to Oakland? Now, compare that to what would the 2018 Packers do against Oakland. 2018 Packers would have lost to Oakland. The Patriots would have blown out Oakland. So it's what do you expect from this team if they are a Super Bowl contender? Because Oakland was bad in this game. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't necessarily say that. Um, Derek Carr had some really, really bad throws. They were Especially early on, we got lucky on a couple really bad passes of wide-open receivers that gave us the ball back or or ended in in field goals because he just couldn't hit guys that were open. Then, of course, he fumbled. There were a lot of mistakes, but they also did play really well. I thought their defense did a decent enough job, you know, as far as trying to continue. You know, Again, remember, some of these throws were pinpoint throws to guys that were covered. I mean, it was almost to the point where I felt bad for Gary and Conley, because I felt like literally every reception was against Gary and Conley. Eight different receivers, and every single one of them was catching passes. On Conley, I just feel bad for the guy. But their offense, especially, I mean, it, this 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 did not look like a trash offense, especially when you talk about scheme. I thought um, I thought John Gruden did a heck of a job coaching a game. I mean, they, they looked like the Packers in terms of getting scheming uh, scheming guys open. You know, the Packers are playing zone, and 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 Oakland just picked it apart. So I, I don't want to act like this is the Miami Dolphins or just the worst team in the world. This is a this is a Raiders team that is getting a lot of respect, and I think for a good reason. I think the offense and what they're able to do, especially with their tight ends and, and and using them to utilize, just just basically work the work the belly, right? To just beat people right in the middle of the field. They did a great job of again, working the zone. They they just overmatched a zone. You look at you got two guys covering a zone, they sent three people over there. There's nothing you could do. I mean, football really is just a numbers game, and Gruden understands that, and he just takes advantage of it. You got two guys in this area. We we take one guy over the top to clear out this way, you take one guy underneath to draw the, you know, the other safety up or whatever, and we got one guy going in the middle of him, which means he's gonna be open. It's simple concepts, it's simple reads for Derek Carr. There's nothing really the defense can do about that, and you it ends up getting a guy wide open. I mean, this is a well well-schemed, well-coached offense. The defense doesn't have a lot of talent. The offense doesn't have a lot of talent, but they're making it work. And they're hurting some teams. So, you know, I, I again, this was sort of a litmus test to see what is this team really. A bad team, or a team that, that I'm cautious about is going to lose to this team. Um, you're also a little hesitant if it's kind of a close win. If it's a blowout win, though, it's kind of like, all right, this is this is what championship teams do. And again, nobody has done this to the Raiders all year long. In fact, what Aaron Rodgers did is something that nobody has done basically all season long. So, agree to a large extent with what Daniel's saying, but, you know, trying to, I guess, clarify, no, 42 points against the Oakland Raiders doesn't make you a Super Bowl contender, but there's other contextual things to look at surrounding it that give me a lot of hope that this can be a Super Bowl contender-type team which is also why I'm I'm interested in possibly making some moves. As counterintuitive as it seems because most people want to make moves when things are bad and leave things alone when things are good, I'm looking at it and saying you go in when you're good, you back off when you're bad. We'll we'll make this the final comment. Um and I'm actually upset that I missed it, but Eric says I'd like to see the stat line of wins and losses when the opposing defense try to take a, uh take Roger's title belt celebration. I'm I'm upset that I missed it because I I got a text message kind of telling me that somebody had done it. And yeah, you definitely I mean that that that's definitely a known thing that, that Aaron Rodgers gets fired up about. And it's nice to have that kind of element from Aaron Rodgers cuz I remember that with Brett Favre was the same thing. My favorite aspect, well, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of great things, but um one thing I loved is every time Aaron Rodgers got mad, the Packers won. When when somebody hit him low or, or did something to make him mad and he started getting fired up, it was game over. And I think Aaron Rodgers has an element of that as well. When he's frustrated, the Packers are in trouble. In other words, when he's kind of down and like, oh, come on, you know, and he's just, he's not happy with the way things are going, the Packers are in a lot of trouble. But when he's angry, when he's fired up, when somebody's mocking him, it just doesn't go well. So Eric actually posted, he found something on Twitter. No idea if it's true, because I don't know how anybody would possibly track this, but Somebody said, Packers' Aaron Rodgers has 21 touchdowns, zero turnovers in games when opposing team has mocked the championship belt. I'm guessing that's somebody joking around, because, again, I don't know how you would possibly check that, but if, if there's any way to confirm that, I would love to see that stat. But yeah, also, if, if if we could just get opposing teams to do the title celebration, the title belt celebration every single time, every game, like starting with the Chiefs next week, may, like just start off that way. Like, first play, let's just get a sack, I know it sounds horrible, but just take a sack, and then I want him to just stand over Aaron Rodgers and do the belt right in his face. It'll be worth it in the end. Anyways, things are are really looking up. Yes, it was just the Raiders, but this was not a guarantee, and the Raiders put on an absolute clinic. The offense is looking fantastic. Devontae hopefully will be back sooner than later. Um, If we can get him back for the Chiefs, that would be huge trade deadline is coming up very 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 quickly so if something's going to happen it's going to happen soon so keep an eye out for that um either way i'm i'm pretty content lions and bears lost yesterday fantasy was for me was an absolute joke but pretty much everything else was 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 great so you folks enjoy your monday i will talk to you tomorrow as always have a good one bye-bye